Hello, welcome to Off Air. This is your weekly news and pop podcast where Nick Stewart and myself, Tim Rubin, pull apart our favourite three stories of the week, except Nick doesn't know what the stories are. I surprise him and throw him into the deep end. Um, We have a Facebook group. If you're not in it, we would love to see you join it. Uh, Jump onto Facebook and search Off Air. It's called the Off Air Podcast Community, and it's where we discuss the stories each week. And I would love to know what you think of them, much more than I would love to know what Nick thinks of them sometimes. This week, our three stories are, do we care about Gladys's love life? Um, why everybody loses at auctions, and also the petition that has brought Kevin Rudd back into our lives with a rockin' beard. Let's get into it on the other side of this. Tim, Nick, yeah, let's with Nick and Tim. Tim. It's real talk, yeah. it's real walk. This ain't gossip, it's just what we say when we're all here. It's real talk, it's real talk. Just two opinions, we spit what we say. We all here. It's real talk, it's true talk. It's two opinions, we spit what we say yeah, when we are. Nick Stewart, we're connected. Hello, my friend, how are you? Very well, Timbo, big Tim Balls. What's going on? I'm good. Uh, life is good. It's sunny this week. I want to take a moment at the start of the podcast to let you get something out of your system. Are you ready for this? Yes. What is it? Okay. Tell us about the NBA. Go ahead. I know it wrapped up. I know you've got a lot to say, and it's not one of the three topics. So just what do you mean? I thought this was our basketball podcast moving forward. Are you happy? LeBron James wants his damn respect, and it seems like he is finally getting it. The Los Angeles Lakers won their seventeenth championship, if you include five championships from when they were the Minneapolis Lakers, which means they are dead level with the Boston Celtics, but I will remind any Boston Celtics fans listening that they have only won one championship since color TV has been a thing. So go eat a dick if you are the Celtics. Uh, My beautiful LA Lakers are back on top after a 10-year hiatus. The LA Lakers as well, Tim, have started every single decade with a championship. They won in 2000, they won in 2010, and now they've won in 2020. So what does that mean? Another 10 years until they do anything good? Hopefully not. That's bad They have No, That's they have bad. won some in the interim. So hopefully they can okay. squeeze a couple in. They've got a bright future. They've got a great young star called Anthony Davis. Does this mean, I, don't, I, I know that we've done like a whole topic on this, but does this mean that LeBron's better than MJ? This is, this is like a big thing, right? There's a lot of people saying, well, that's it. Definitive LeBron better. Yeah, no, look, it doesn't. I, I, look, I am the biggest LeBron fan out there. And it, it, it doesn't. If Michael Jordan was still incredible. I think you've got to put them in a Mount Rushmore of NBA players. And I think LeBron's still got a little bit of work to do. But it's pretty incredible to consider that he has been playing 17 NBA seasons and he has been in the finals for 10 of those seasons. I have one question for you. Yes. When's your mum's birthday? What's the date of your mum's birthday? February. <laughs> I hey love man, that you know you every single me. thing about the NBA. You have so much. I don't. Play, you don't get clued in onto what we're going to talk about. No. I literally bring up the NBA, and you can speak. That was like five minutes, nonstop. <laughs> Look, so much of your brain is taken up. <laughs> we all have to have a passion in life, Tim, and mine happens to be basketball. Okay. <laughs> Should we do Nick picks? Look, it's not. I I never want to push people to sign things, and, and I am not the largest Kevin Rudd fan. Oh, oh, I thought it was onto a good one. This okay. has never happened before. My goodness. Don't recommend. Just, yeah, okay. If you want to sign a signature, listen to story number three because we might discuss it further. 
sign a petition. Oh my goodness, I'm ahead of the times. Here we go. Okay, well, what's your dick pick then? I was scrolling through. I've been doing a bit of running this week or the last few weeks. So I've been listening to some more podcasts while I run. And um, I listened to, I was going back through the older Joe Rogans, not that much older, the start of September, Joe Rogan did a podcast with Miley Cyrus. It's very interesting because they sit down, if you haven't listened to Joe Rogan before, which I think most podcast people have, but he does these long form interviews. So he sits down with Miley for something like two and a half hours and they just shoot the shit. They just chat about stuff. Um, And she's not, like, she doesn't have an album to sell or promote or a book or anything so they're literally just talking about their lives it's really interesting i think miley cyrus has had an incredibly fascinating life like you think like she was born into a level of stardom with her father leveled up becoming hannah montana and then leveled up again all by the time she was like 19 check that one out because it really humanized her for me she's never been somebody that i've had like a real connection with through her music um I, I've never, you know, like what's her latest song? Midnight Sky. I work for a commercial yeah. radio station. I hear it at least twice a day, my friend. <laughs> a lot of her music is not, it doesn't really tell a huge amount of her story, but hearing her talk, I, I found it very interesting. Story number one. It's better to have loved and lost than to have never loved at all. Gladys Berejiklian. Oh, God. <laughs> The Premier of New South Wales is being uh, called to step down by a lot of people after an independent commission against corruption discovers a secret relationship between her and a corrupt former Liberal minister. His name is Daryl Maguire. They've been together secretly for five years. Um, And I should point out as well that at the time of us recording this, there is still a day to go of the investigation. So there's probably going to be some more stuff that comes out. But as of right now, Nick Stewart, do you care who Gladys is secretly dating? No, I don't. And I do think that it was pretty disgraceful of the Australian media to drag the text messages and not focus on the parts that could expose a a pretty high level of corruption within the New South Wales government and instead to focus on the fact that uh, she had a pet name with her lover. And I thought it was Mm. a bit weird that that's where a lot of the energy went because obviously I do care if she was intentionally turning a blind eye to corruption, which is what uh, she has been accused of doing. How about you? Where do you stand on this? Um, I think that this is a really interesting situation. And I think that a lot of people are kind of creating two different camps. There are some people saying that um, there's a lot of kind of misogyny going on. In fact, before I get into my thought, I'm going to read because I think we we put it on our Facebook group Mm. in off air on Facebook. And I said, do people care who Gladys is dating? Sam wrote, I'd care if it revealed that she was aware of corrupt behavior with an MP and hid it because of a personal relationship. And apparently there are records of a phone call where she is made aware. So that's a very interesting point. And Ruth wrote, I'm a Labor Party faithful to the core, but Gladbag has done an incredible job over the last 12 months with the fires and COVID. I wish they'd fuck off and leave her alone over this. It's smacks of misogyny. And... My perspective on this is I feel like I have two kids who are who are arguing. They're not arguing, by the way. They're just sharing their opinions. Mm. I think that they're both right. I think that both of those things are happening at the same time. I do care who Gladys is dating um, because there is the potential for immense for huge levels of corruption through Mm. through all of this um but i also think that there's a lot of misogyny going on at the same time um and i think that you hit the nail on the head when you said that they're focusing on the pet names and the secret rendezvous and and things like that 
um, as compared to focusing on the corruption that's potentially been taking place. So I think that both, I, I do care, but I think that the story is maybe missing the point with some of these things. Well, they've gone for the salacious details, haven't they? And that's where it becomes yeah. concerning because ultimately my understanding is that this bloke uh, was estranged from his wife, Gladys Berejik. There's been no sort of adultery uh, charges or whatever no. thrown out there. There's no, no accusations of, of adultery it, no. whatsoever. And when she even refers to things uh, as being a relationship of a personal matter, that's more from a legal perspective. So she's making sure people know that her finances aren't tied in with his finances and they're both independent uh, of each other dating. So that's uh, why she's come out and said that, uh, which is interesting in itself. Look, if, she's, if, if she has turned a blind eye cor- to corruption, I mean, what, Mike Baird, uh, who was the former premier? Didn't he resign because of a bottle of wine? Was that him? That was Barry. That was uh, Barry O'Farrell. Yeah, Barry O'Farrell. There you go. The uh, he was the premier of New South Wales. He had the exact same job as her. Mm. He resigned over one bottle of wine. Um, I, there are a lot of people saying on on the post and in, uh, in in the media in general saying I don't care who she dates. She can date whoever she wants. I think the thing that um, people are potentially missing is. Um, that he was uh, he was corrupt, yeah. And after moving on from his role as an MP, he basically became a land developer. So she actually fired him for his corruption. Um, but he became a land developer, and then he continued working as a land developer with huge stakes in plots of land that Gladys was playing a role in controlling. Mm. So one of those, for example, is the Badgeries Creek Airport, which is in um, Western, I I think it's far west of Sydney. Um, And this is basically a plot Daryl had a stake in and could earn $1.5 million from. So Gladys money. There's a lot of money. And Gladys was sitting on the cabinet deciding how that land was going to be zoned. Um, And that would have been going on for years with her having that insider knowledge. So... Um, I can understand why she's really pushing. We have separate finances. Like if he earns that money, it's not going to make a difference to me. But, but it, it is. is but a... it is. Well, what, what I was about to ask you, your partner and yourself, do you have mm-hmm. joint financial accounts? No, we have totally separate finances, but we've only been together for a year. No, I know. But, but my second question would be, do you ever buy her dinner or does she ever buy you dinner? Or do you ever yeah. buy her presents or does she ever buy you presents? Um... Uh, uh, no, we are strictly no. Pre- yeah, of course we do. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the point. So she, w- if Barry uh, or whatever his name is, is Darryl. all Daryl, whoever, it, it, it very whatever white man his name. name. Is, doesn't yeah. matter. He's a country guy. Whatever. Um, He'll respond to Barry. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. He will purchase her things, and if he comes into mass fortune or millions of dollars, yeah. at some point he's probably going to buy her gifts or shout her treats, and therefore she is benefiting from corruption. Yeah. So there's another level of this, um, which is even higher than the gifts. So his, the level of corruption that he's being looked into um, is, is very high. So there is a term, uh, what is it? Uh, trading insolvent. Have you heard that term before? Uh, I'm assuming that that's when you're doing trading when you're bankrupt or you have no money or you're, you're trading yes. in good faith for the future. Yes, exactly. So um, uh, he is being accused of trading insolvent 
which basically means that, yeah, he should have been um, filing for bankruptcy or mm. I think one of the companies that he was managing should have been filing for bankruptcy because they technically have no money, but they were accruing more debt and continuing to trade, um, but badly. And so they were falling further and further into debt. So that um, trading insolvent actually can carry potential jail time. Quite the bad boy, isn't he? He's, he's, she's yes. gone for a bad boy. <laughs> but what's interesting about that is it's not just will he have extra money to buy me a nice necklace. It's will he make money to get out of debt to not be in jail? Yeah, yeah, and that's the bigger concern. And yes, yeah, that's a really big that's a really big thing. And I can't imagine that even if you have separate finances, and even if you say, "Oh, it wasn't a big deal, it wasn't a heavy relationship," da da da, you still don't want your partner to go to jail. No, no one so, does. And but their relationship has categorically ended. My understanding from what I from what I've seen is that their relationship had ended a few months or or twelve months ago around that. I don't know. Yeah, is that true? I think she turned her blind eye on him. I think she. I think. Well, yeah, mm -hmm. well, that sounds dirty. Uh, I think she went. This guy's a bit dodgy. I can see what's going on here. I need to distance yeah. myself from him, and hopefully, just doesn't get made public. Do you think that she should resign? Do you think that this has compromised her to the point where she should resign? I do. Yeah. I think that, well, I, look, I think that if you had any other job, then I think that there would be some type of penalty, but just going off the history of other people who have lost their job for similar things. We spoke about Barry O'Farrell. He lost his job over a bottle of wine. This is much bigger. I mean, these are millions of dollars. And I also think that where there's smoke, there's fire. Like, she clearly knew that these things were serious. Um, like there's phone records, there's recordings of her saying, don't tell me that. I don't want to know mm. these certain things. So she knows the severity of these things. It's not a problem for somebody. Like you can just, can't you just declare that you're in a relationship with someone? Can't you de declare it up front? Yeah, certainly you can. But she obviously sensed that. That, that it would that be it poor to her reputation if it became public yeah. or, or alternatively, she doesn't want her personal life to be part of the media, which is, which is very hard in that position. It's very hard. And I actually thought it was curious at first. I didn't realize she was, um, single and a, a, and a single woman because, you know, so many people in those positions of power, you uh, almost bandstand their family to gain votes mm. and, and yeah. use their family to show that they're a relatable everyday dinky die bloke. Uh, one thing I did think was interesting was uh, Prime Minister Scott Morrison coming out and saying, you know, she's mad, made some potentially bad decisions. She would be embarrassed as anyone else about this going public. And it would be very, very silly for any state to change their premier in the middle of a pandemic, despite the fact <laughs> his government is actively trying to get rid of Dan Andrews and yeah. actively trying to sway the election to Deb Frecklington from the Liberal Party in, in, Queensland. in Queensland. What the fuck, ScoMo? Does he listen to himself sometimes? That's what I wonder. I didn't hear him say that, but that is very, very funny. Incredible. Incredible. Just wild. Um, yeah. yeah. The one thing that I that I would like to come back to, and we have kind of touched on, is this misogyny being dragged through the media. Um, the test that I always do to see if I think that something is sexist or not is all I do is flip it onto the other foot. And we've spoken about Barry O'Farrell previously, but I mean, Barnaby Joyce got in some very similar hot water for a relationship that he shouldn't have been in. Um, and he got dragged for it. So I mean, the cartoons and everything, like the way that he was being depicted as this beetroot um, with his second hidden family, 
I, I mean, this is what happens when 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 politicians fuck around. Story number two: How to lose an auction. Nick, this week the Nobel Prize for Economics was awarded. I think I might have hopefully caught you off guard with this story. Have you seen this? No, you have totally. Wonderful. Okay. Nobel Prize for Economics was awarded. It was given to two guys. Their names are Robert Wilson and Paul Milgram. They are Americans. And it was given to them for their work on auctions. Um, Yeah. So today, basically, everything runs on auctions. If you think um, uh, everything from eBay to work contracts through the government to buying houses um, through to the tiny little mini algorithms that your Facebook does uh when it comes to choosing which ads it's going to show you everything is built around the idea of auctions and these guys have studied the dynamics of auctions and they've found that as buyers auctions are not good for us because of something that they have come up with called the winner's curse oh Uh, yeah are you liking this i i love this i think this is amazing so please what is the winner's curse okay so the idea of the winner's curse is that if 10 people show up at a house auction, for example, hmm. and you and I are there and we all have the same value of this house that we're going to buy and we all in our mind go, okay, this house is worth a million dollars. And the auction goes up and it gets to the million dollar point. At that point where we hit the value of the house of a million dollars, there are still going to be 10 people who are actively bidding because we've all valued it at a million dollars. So the auction then has to continue. And what the auction does is it doesn't actually discover the true value of anything. Actually, it discovers the amount that one person is happy to overpay for it. But that's the and case so be- for everything, isn't it? I mean, yes, there is, is no true value yeah. in this world. We never buy anything at a cost price. There's always a, but, it's what the free market is willing to accept. Yeah. But so, so because of that, we create this thing called the winner's curse. And that is that people who win auctions are intrinsically making bad investments and feel bad about it. Uh... And so basically what Wilson and Milgram, because if that person bought that house and then turned around the second day, uh, one day later and went to sell that house, they're going to get less because they're going to get whatever the next person would have paid for it. So their house isn't worth that much, whatever they've paid. Theoretically. So basically uh, these guys have found that the real value of something is the average value of the bids rather than the highest bid. And whoever pays the highest bid is the person getting the most screwed, which is really interesting. It is really interesting. I mean, uh, we're geared to poke holes in things, so that's what we're going to do. Obviously, they just won uh, a Nobel Prize, so it's clearly fairly watertight. It probably stands up. (laughs) It it probably stands up, but wouldn't you suggest that the true value is whatever the seller is willing to accept? The true value, using it specifically when it comes to property economics, the true value is whatever number the seller of the property is willing to accept. And if if it exceeds that, which is often the reserve, then that's a bonus to the seller. And if it goes under, the seller will refuse to sell. Um, yes, but there are certain things that are always going to hold the same value. So if I take a $10 note and put it on Australian eBay, it will hmm. only ever sell for $10. But if I trick somebody and tell them that it's worth $15 or I find, do you know what I mean? Then no, no, I do. It. I, I know what a, you mean. But value. auctions in general are just a really solid example of how a free market operates. I, what yes. you're saying is it's really, really interesting. Uh, and, and, and it's a great de facto way to explain capitalism as well and sort of why I don't necessarily agree with those principles. Have you ever bought anything at an auction? 
Well, I never have. I wanted to know if you have because I, um, <laughs> so I became a homeowner at the start of mm. this year and I avoided auctions because, yeah, I, I think that it's a, it's a weird idea and it doesn't necessarily work for the buyer. Have you done it? Uh, I've never purchased anything major at an auction. The biggest things I've ever purchased uh, were I've purchased pigs before at auction, funnily enough, and, and overpaid dramatically because it was for charity. Living, yeah, living yeah, pigs? yeah. It was right. Some wild stuff happens in North Queensland, Tim, and I was involved in a pig race uh, where you could purchase oh the pigs God. to race. <laughs> and, uh, it was all for charity, though, so it was fine. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I overbid it dramatically, uh, much to the chagrin of my now fiance Jazz. She was really <laughs> upset. Uh, and then the only other thing I've bought was a TAFE Queensland uh, beach umbrella. Uh, that was about 36 years old when I got extremely drunk at a different girlfriend's uh, charity auction for their TAFE, trying to raise funds. But I, I, I agree. I'm not done I'm... with the pig story. I, I want to find out more about the pigs. <laughs> My pig didn't win. How many, Long story. How many pigs did you, did you buy one or multiple pigs? Three. Three uh, in three separate races and, and none of the pigs oh, won, the... which was really okay. disappointing. And do you have to ride the pig in the race? No, they're baby, or... po- they're little potbelly pigs. And, the, and it's then grey you... It's like, like greyhounds. Yeah, and you spray paint your number on their bellies. Oh my god, uh, it's great so, fun. If you ever so get the chance to go pay? to a pig race, oh, I so think the minimum. How much I, did you pay for your pig? Minimum I paid was about two forty, and then the oh. highest I paid was three eighty. So they were already, okay. they were always in that variance. And if you were going to win one of those pig races, what would you have won? You get fifty uh, percent of the take of the pigs. So what everyone puts in. So say mm-hmm. there's nine pigs in the race, you okay. buy a pig. So I bought a pig for $200 and everyone else bought a pig for 200 bucks. Obviously those amounts vary depending on the pig because there's fast and yeah. slow pigs. Um, but so, so, and let, look, so let's make the maths. Oh, so no, you we'll have do the potential so to win $900. $900. Exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's good okay. fun. Pig racing's great. So great pastime. You, you have the potential. So, okay. So let's use uh, Wilson and Milgram's idea. Okay. So you have the potential to win $900, but you paid $350 for one of those pigs. So yes. you had the potential to only times your times your money by three, but you were betting with a one out of nine chance. So really the actual price of a pig should only be $100 to $200 at the most. No, your maths is flawed there, buddy. It should only be $100. No, because then that decreases the prize pool. So yeah, then you so only have a I prize pool of 450. So it's about, yeah, of course, in, in the fairness, more that you pig, put no, in, the, the more you're going to win. The pig I paid money for was good. I would take one in three odds on that pig. It just got caught on a latch. It was, it was, <laughs> it was doing well. The pig I paid 350 for was a winner. And I think the prize ha- pool for that one was about 1100 as well. So you got the winner's curse, Nick. You got the winner's <laughs> curse. You got cursed. They won a, they won a Nobel prize and you got a bad pig. Okay. I do, look, I really like, uh, I, I have a keen interest in economics. I studied economics at university. I do really love that theory. I think it's great. I, I, again, like most theories though, I don't know what it's real world application is other than telling someone they should never, ever compete in an auction, which is not going to happen in life. At some point in life, yeah. you're going to be forced into some level of auction. Even through negotiating for a job, and I know you've been put in this position before because you and I discussed it, and I won't mention what it was for, but you were basically put in a position where you had to outbid someone for the job and and accept accept a figure that you were not necessarily comfortable with. 
Yeah, I was. Uh, I have a history of going for jobs that I pay them to take me on. For. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very costly job. <laughs> it's a costly. I'll job. throw in a company car. I'll give the company my car. <laughs> <laughs> <That's how> I... <laughs> so at some point, negotiation is a really important thing to work on. I guess that's the overarching thing. But auctions are becoming more and more popular in Australia every year upon year, especially in um, property you see uh, auction rates rising and also sales at auctions rising. In Brisbane alone the other day, uh, in a suburb called Kedron, which is not a super wealthy suburb, a a block of land that I think was about 620 square metres, which again is not a huge block, uh, sold at auction for over a million dollars, which is just yeah, right. Sydney prices, probably reasonable, but Brisbane, that mm. is insane. So we're going to see more well, of it. I think that I, I think that that's the point, though, is that um, it forces higher prices that may not uh, necessarily uh, connect with real market value. But and then so it becomes real can... market value once once you've paid that. It becomes real market value because you're not going to. No one is ever going to buy a property and sell it within twelve months unless something goes really dire for them. So that then becomes your real market value. And as long as you then sell it at a profit at a later date and work that profit out to be an investable amount of money. So say if you were to invest in bonds or in stocks and you were to make 5% a year, which is really quite good. If you were to put it in a bank, you're going to get at the moment 1.2% or something like that. If you buy a house for $400,000, and in 10 years, sell that house for $500,000, that means you've made $20,000 a year, which equates to your 5% that you would have got trying to gamble yep. on the stock market. Or you could have gambled on pigs. So, Man, it's go. fun, i got to tell you. And if I'd have come off, I would have bought more pigs, let's face it. If I was there, I would have bought a pig. I would have liked to I know that. you would have. Can you eat the pigs as well? Like, God, wouldn't it be I good wish. if you could then, like, well, you paid 300 bucks for the pig. That's <laughs> like, that pig. You only own it for the race. If pig doesn't win, they butcher it for you and you get the steaks and the bacon. <laughs> Story number three. Try it again with a beard, mate. This week, our mate Kevin Rudd has popped back into our lives Sorry, Nick, this was your uh, Nick pick, but I've, I wiped it out because it's story number three. Uh, K Rudd is back and he is back floating around on social media now with a very sweet uh, kind of Mr. Sheffield looking beard and a video where he's sitting, speaking directly to the camera, talking about media monopoly. Mm. And he speaks specifically about the Murdoch Group, which owns 70% of print media as it stands in Australia Mm -hmm. and has a huge stake in digital news because of it. They own a huge amount of the media landscape. He basically calls out the Murdoch's plan to influence our politics, um, generally very far to the right. Um, And he's launched a petition uh, for there to be a royal commission into media ownership and that petition currently has 227,000 signatures, and it sounds like you are one of them. So, Nick, yes. is K. Rudd going too far when he calls uh, Murdoch a cancer on our democracy, which is what he says? Uh, I, I, I should probably expose myself at this point. Uh, I am a very strong uh, Labor Party supporter. And I have signed this and I would agree that Rupert Murdoch's ownership of the international media landscape, Australia inclusive of that with his 40% share in uh, News Corp, which then, as you said, controls 40% uh, of, uh, no, it controls 40% of, 70% of newspapers and 40% of Australian media in general is in some way affected by um, 
of Rupert Murdoch. It is bad. It's really bad. If you pick up today, and, and daily I've been doing this heading into the Queensland election, the Courier-Mail, which is the biggest newspaper in Queensland, has had at least five to seven hit pieces on the Labor Party and Anastasia Palaszczuk in the first pages and the back pages. They've really decided to spread out the love. And they're pushing Deb Frecklington dramatically. I do think it's ironic that Kevin Rudd is calling this out because he is someone that has actually benefited from this media power in the past. News Corp were very much behind the Kevin 07 movement. And -hmm. while they are traditionally extremely right wing, if they do find left wing people that they can get to take their money or or help them push uh, their super strong pro coal and pro-conservative agenda, they will support those people. But he's right. There's nowhere near enough parity in Australian media. And the worst part is now, uh, because he has control across so many digital assets, the the real loser is always going to be us. Like when you see... Mm. It's very interesting. At the moment, I saw just yesterday, I read an article on Fox News, uh, sorry, Fox Sports Australia. And the article had to do with some right-wing American coalition putting up a billboard questioning why funnily enough it had to do with the nba questioning why lebron james was so silent on all of the atrocities occurring in china at the moment but he was so happy to throw his weight behind the black lives matter movement and i was and i was going why the fuck is this on fox fox sports australia and then i read it the byline was actually for the new york post uh which is also owned by news corp so what they're doing is just aggregating out media based on buzzwords and tabs and also it's really crazy to see it work in the opposite direction you have people like miranda divine who is as close to the scum of the earth as you can possibly get going on america's fox news and saying that old people and frail people should stop being so selfish for wanting to live she confused the host because she was speaking to some some trump pro person. Yeah. And I think the person had been so used to being attacked, especially by international journalists. I use journalists I, I loosely. Guess, very loosely. Columnists, opinion opinion people. Yeah. She was conf- she was like, "Hold on, what point are you making?" She didn't understand that she was speaking to an Australian in the media who was agreeing with her. Well, it no, such- pushing the boundaries further. She she mm. asked her to correct herself. She was like, "So, you're Are saying you blaming yeah, yeah old people you're blaming old people and then she's like <laughs> yes COVID. i am <laughs> yeah. the youth should be allowed to enjoy their lives and these old people need to stop being afraid of dying and take one for the goddamn team and this is where it gets wild is they can push they they are changing the narrative and it no lo- i think the best thing that could possibly happen is us work out a way to 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 stop using the word news. I think that's mm. where the gray area comes. The company's called News Corp and the, the it's called Fox News and it's called a newspaper. And it's not news. It's not what we would say a journalist uh, does. And it's amazing the amount of journalists who, and you can Google this, the amount of journalists who have previously who, been who News Corp employees who have come out and specifically said that they are absolutely against this and that there is definitely agendas pushed down their throat. So very interestingly, this has actually happened in the last 24 hours. So uh, earlier in July this year, James Murdoch, Rupert Murdoch's son, he retired from his position um, in News Corp. Uh, And yesterday, I don't know if you've seen it, for the very first time, he spoke about why 
he decided to leave. He has been silent for months. He did a tell-all interview with the New York Times. And in it, he said that the Murdoch group legitimized disinformation and obscured facts. Those are direct quotes mm -hmm. from, from his interviews. Absolutely. Um, and he also spoke about hidden agendas. And again, those are exactly his words. So legitimized disinformation, obscured facts and hidden agendas. I mean, this is coming from when it's coming from somebody that high up. His son. It's <laughs> like, his son. Yeah. It's his second born. <laughs> it's yeah. you know that it, you know that it's real, and I think you and I probably both have friends who have worked there or who have had things to do with um, that organization, who have kind of told us stories and things like that. But to hear it coming from James Murdoch in the news, it's not even a debate anymore. No, it's and just, this is this is a company that was behind the wiretapping scandal in London uh, yes. five years ago, if that, uh, where yeah. they were literally yeah, tapping the phones, home phones and mobiles of celebrities so they could try to infiltrate their personal lives. And if they were doing that to celebrities, you cannot tell me that they were not doing that to politicians on some level or trying mm -hmm. to purchase influence in some fashion. It's They're evil, man. It's all I've got to say about them. I, I actually think it's become a recurring theme on this podcast of me bagging out News Corp, but I, I'm not going to stop because people need to, and people need to talk. It's not, we can become a really, really consistent left-wing echo chamber, um, it, it being young and having fairly liberal views on stuff. But I would openly encourage people to challenge their parents and their grandparents who are so used to reading a newspaper and believing yep, everything and in trusting it. it as the gospel. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, well, I, I guess the question, I agree with you 100%. I think that people need to have these conversations. And I think that like for our generation, watching documentaries like The Social Dilemma that came out a couple of weeks ago, we have a real natural, not distrust, but we have Healthy an understanding that, I'd say. that the media, sorry? I'd use the word healthy skepticism. I think healthy right. skepticism of information being presented to us. Yes. We understand that there are motivations for things and that there are agendas and uh, the generation probably above us just doesn't seem to have that. I think that it's really great that we as a society are starting to have conversations about the media that, that we see. And I think that it's important because we've poked holes and spoken about Facebook and Instagram. And I think that newspapers and, and major news corporations should be scrutinized in the exact same way. I think that you and I are on the same page when it comes to this. And I didn't say at the start, but I've also signed the petition. Um, let's say it gets a million signatures. What happens next? How, like, how do you think that anything's going to happen? Well, he's asking for a, for a royal commission into media ownership, which could bring a, across legislative change. The, the other question I'd ask is, is Kevin Rudd the best person to be the face of this campaign? Uh, because in Australia, which is where he's petitioning for this to happen, uh, he, he's, uh, a lot of people have a bad taste in their mouth. And a lot of the people he probably needs to get on board have a bad taste in their mouth from him. And, and he's perceived as a fairly egotistical guy. Kevin Rudd has the reputation in politics of being very ego-driven and, and very concerned about his own image. And that was a large part of his undoing in the political landscape. Doesn't this just sort of feed into the sour grapes thing? Like, you, they're not supporting my party and they sort of ostracised me. So I'm kicking up my feet. I'm worried that it's he's the wrong person to lead this campaign. I don't know who the right person is, but I just... I don't think it matters. It's mm. too late. It's already happened. I mean, wouldn't it be better if, I don't know, giraffes were 
shorter or like, like it doesn't matter. <laughs> like this is hap- here we are. The video is out. What, yeah. what like where's it gonna go? That's the like even if there is a royal commission, then what? Like how how do you legislate that change? Do you say okay, Rupert Murdoch, um, you have to give us back some some of your company? He you would have, have to, to he would have to sell it, and therein lies the problem. Uh, I knew, yeah. if, uh, and a great example of this is how easy it is to uh, manipulate those situations. Anyway, uh, I'll give you an example. I, I and I and I will not name any brands or anything um, because this could be perceived as extremely deceptive. Uh, but I had a a family friend who was a very prominent uh, farm wholesaler, so purchased things from farms and sell, on sells them. Uh, and the ACCC deemed that he had a monopoly on the industry because he was selling to all of the major grocers. Uh, mm-hmm. So he got his son-in-law to start a shell company right. uh, and then they divvied up the major grocers and they would phone each other every morning and still set the prices. So the monopoly still existed and that's probably what would happen. I guess the best thing that can happen is for this just to make a heap of noise and people to become more skeptical of these these forms of media. That would be mm. the, the best possible outcome of this whole thing, I think, is for us all just to become far more aware of where and how we're getting the new, our news. And I don't have an answer to that. Like, where do you go right now? Where do you go for your news sources, Tim? The first place that I go is news.com. Yeah, which, is an ag- which, which in itself is an aggregator website. So there's yes. so many different things on there that have giant conflicting reports yep. and giant conflicting themes or even double-ups of articles. Like when the Gladys Berejiklian thing broke, there was about four articles that had all all the exact same information in them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They do that a lot and they'll change the headline so that they can get the clicks and yeah. that so that they can sell that to advertisers. Yeah, I go to a lot of places. I go to The Conversation. I go to the ABC. I have huge trust in the ABC. I think that the mm-hmm. ABC is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. But yeah, I do go to those that com- those commercial sites first. I go um, to News Al Jazeera as well, um, which which is, a, a, funnily enough, a Muslim-based news uh, website, but I do find that they leave opinion out of it a lot. I think anything right. where you can find a lack of opinion, where it allows you to put your own opinion on it straight off raw data, then that's going to be a positive thing. Uh, but it's really hard. There's no correct answer these days. Facebook's definitely not the fucking answer. Um, no. and, and news.com.au isn't really the answer either. Uh, so it's, it's tough to find independent. Even the guardian is so left wing. Like it's, it's so left-wing to combat the right-wing, but uh, in such divisive times where we're all philosophers and we all have really in-depth opinions on politics, it's hard to find something that ap- actually represents even even a, a, a relative middle ground. And that's sad. Mm. Yeah, I, I'm not sure what the answer is. I know that the system is definitely broken at the moment. Um, I think that you're right. I think that if people... <laughs> I think that so long as conversation is happening and so long as people are able to look at things and have an understanding that this might this might have some t- sort of spin on it, a really easy way to do it is if you're interested in a story, um, just Google one of the words from the story and then uh, choose the news option. And you can literally see how the different news articles are speaking about the same topic. So with this Kevin Rudd, topic itself i've got it in front of me oh please i'd love to hear these yeah so the conversation has uh paper chase why kevin rudd's call for a royal commission into news corps won't result in anything um the new york times has petition targeting murdoch swamps australian parliament 
Um, SBS has long time coming. Experts (laughs) support push for Royal Commission into murder. Um, And then the Sydney Morning Herald has, unsurprisingly, Rudd has become Murdoch's accuser, but once he was his cheerleader, which Mm. just like demeans him immediately. So like straight away, you can tell which news publications are owned guess which one's the murdoch one <laughs> um, and it's very interesting that there there are basically no other um murdoch uh publications writing about this none of them are writing about it in a positive light and kevin rudd himself actually brought up in an interview that i saw yesterday on sbs he said well yesterday the biggest story was that james murdoch had sp- spoken about why he left the company and you can't find that in any of the newspapers anywhere and that's that's true you have to go to the new york times to find that information so it's uh you don't have to be a genius to pull this one apart it's grim times interesting yeah it it will be very interesting to see Two hundred twenty-seven thousand people is a lot of people you think something will happen I certainly hope so. I, 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 look, I would love for that to be the case. As you said, I don't know what the outcomes would be. How, how, you, how you break up that monopoly, how you break up a 70% monopoly across newspapers is it's, it's just harrowing. And then his influence in TV networks, but even his just broader influence in general. It's sad. It's sad that our world is uh, so easily manipulated by the whims of a billionaire. Um, is there, I mean, is there room for newspapers to have to answer to some sort of fact-checking in the same way that like Facebook and Twitter are now self-policing when it comes to people spreading misinformation? I don't know how you'd audit it. It would be huge. And the other thing is newspapers are dying. Like now yeah. they're becoming online publications and, and there's probably a way for that. But but Facebook uh, is is internally auditing itself. Like that's, Mm. that is, it is, that has been brought on almost via their own choice to appear more transparent and to gain back a bit of trust after all the sort of selling on our data and different stuff that they've been up to the different nefarious activities they've accidentally done. (laughs) So I, I wish that there was a way for this all to improve, but I just think that the genie came out of the bottle a long time ago and there was no solid legislation put in like Australian media laws haven't Mm. changed in 30 years. So there was Mm. no solid legislation put on early and now there's no way to walk back the situation we have ended up in. Um, and, and, and on a level, everything is always going to be biased as well because I mean, you can't just fully accept what the prime minister is going to say because he's always going to operate in the best interest of his party. Yeah, I think um, all we can do is just uh, hope and wait and pray for Elon Musk to fix it. And just create brain chips for us all. Uh, brain chips, yeah. <laughs> which will be fine. And then we'll get all the news then, we want. And, then we'll know and, everything. And, then you, and <laughs> then you just get the news in your brain. You just think about it. And then <laughs> straight to you. Thanks, Elon. Yeah. I, look, right, I, for, we... I, for one, just want to say that I applaud our future overlord, Elon Musk, and look forward to any positive change he can bring to anything. Uh, thank and you, I Elon. also look forward to working with his son, Elon. <laughs> X-Wing TIE Fighter 7. Um, I don't know how you pronounce it. <laughs> All right, I think that probably brings us to the end. Anything you want to squeeze in before we wrap this up? Talk to your parents about how bad the papers are at the moment. Just do it. Just have a conversation with them. How do you word it? Have you had a conversation with your family? 
family about any of this stuff? I got my mum to watch Social Dilemma. How would you do it? I am very lucky that my father is a diehard liberal supporter whose family, uh -huh. uh, who, who, my grandfather was a Liberal Party representative uh, mm -hmm. and has had strong ties. And my mother is a diehard Labor supporter whose uh, family has had strong Labor ties. And for some bizarre reason, they have managed to stay together in a semi-healthy relationship that mainly revolves around yelling at each other about politics. So I'm very lucky that I grew up in a household that already has a really high level of healthy skepticism. Although I would note that that seems to have disintegrated into both of them just completely ignoring each other's viewpoints on things as time's gone on. But I think that that's more to do intrinsically with where we're at as a society. As a society, we seem to... Uh, there's there is no middle anymore. There is no 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 middle ground where people seem happy. It's a real uh, as a society we die on our sleeves. That's interesting. All right. Well, I'm glad that I got that little insight into Nick's family Christmas this year. Um, <laughs> thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks for having a listen. Um, we would love you to hit subscribe. Give us a rating as well. We haven't spoken about that for a while. Ratings help us a lot. So if you do listen every now and then. Give us a couple of stars. Say why you like it. I'll come to your house and give you some flowers and a kiss on the cheek. Um, Consensually. <laughs> and jump on. Uh, we've got a Facebook group as well. Search off air. And you can join that and get involved in the conversation as it continues. Thanks, Nick, for another fun one. Thanks, mate. Always love it. See ya.